Welcome to Embrace the Musica, where we're going to dig into the raw, vulnerable, tough, and beautiful pieces of this journey called life. I'm Dominique Dines, who at the age of 21 moved abroad to Mexico to start teaching after growing up in a small town in Minnesota. My husband is from Peru, and we met salsa dancing 10 years ago in Guadalajara, Mexico. Here we are today raising two lovely tricultural kids. We speak more Spanish than English in our home and do a lot of salsa dancing in the kitchen. Embrace the Musica is going to be a place where we talk about what it's like being married to someone from a completely different culture, living in a place that neither of us grew up in, being a working mom, constantly fighting or accepting cultural norms, and all the things that keep us afloat, which includes a lot of heart and humility. So let's embrace the Musica today. Hi everybody, welcome back to Embrace the Musica. This week, once again, I'm so excited because I got to invite one of my best friends to tell a little bit about her story as an educator in these unprecedented times we're living in. Um, and I, let me just say, Jackie and I met, I want to say now 13 years ago or something like that. We met as teachers at the same school, and it's just been so fun watching our journeys unfold and raising kids and one of the saddest days living abroad was the day that Jackie decided to move back to the States. And then one of the happiest days is when she came back <laughs> to Guadalajara. So I'm going to ask her just to tell a little bit about her story um, and where she's from. So Jackie, if you could just introduce yourself a little bit. Um, tell us about your teaching background, where you grew up and what brought you to Mexico. Thanks, Dom. I'm glad to be on your podcast. I'm Jackie, and I grew up in Phoenix, Arizona, and I um, started teaching there one year in kindergarten, and then I moved to Mexico in, I think, 2006 and taught at a small um, international school in Guadalajara. And then I moved to the American school where I teach currently, and I've been teaching, this is my 15th, I think starting my 15th year as a teacher. And I've always been, been a teacher in, you know, the younger grades, pre-first kindergarten. And um, also I dabbled a couple years in learning support. And so um, I'm actually going back into the classroom this year. So like you said, I came to Mexico in 2006 and stayed until 2012. And then we left the to the United States and I taught several years in Arizona and then came back about five years ago to Guadalajara. Um, so I just think, uh, yeah, as you can see, something always brings me back to Mexico. I love Mexico. I love teaching here. Um, I enjoy the international um, teaching aspect. It's a little, in my opinion, less stressful than teaching in the U.S., a little um, just easier to be a mom, a working mom, and um, at the same time, sort of uh, be teaching. So I love my job here, and um, I am somewhat looking forward to this school year, <laughs> a little <laughs> apprehensive and nervous. but and, Yeah, no, so. absolutely. One of the things you said, Jackie, it's interesting because you have the perspective of having taught in Mexico and then moving back <laughs> to the States and teaching. And as we've seen kind of I think with a lot of people, and I know especially at the school, as I'm now at, back at the school with you as well, a lot mm -hmm. of people come and go and then come back, right? Which is interesting. Um, but talk to us a little bit about 
going into your 15th year of teaching and knowing that in our case here in Guadalajara, everything is going to be virtual for the, I don't know how long, we don't know how long this is going to last, but what, like, how are you feeling about that? And tell us a little bit about that experience and distance learning and what it looks like here um, for your, your own children and then also as a teacher. Yeah, so um, like you said, we're going to be starting the year virtual. Um, so we're going to be um, meeting with our students um, together as a group, um, whole a whole group, as well as you know trying to do small groups with them. Um, we are going to be um, using a platform where they can also do lessons, pre-recorded lessons that we do. Um, I guess trying to keep it as on pace with curriculum as possible and um, also just trying to make connections with them at the start and I think that's going to be the most challenging thing is because we don't know these students coming in like we did last year um, when we started in the spring so I think that I think that's what I'll um, my fellow teachers are feeling a lot um, of maybe anxiety about is just not really knowing our students and how do we um, get to know them in such a um, different way that's semi-impersonal, if you, I guess I would say, you know, online, you can't meet them or see them in person. And so I think we're just all a little nervous about building community and forming connections. And then, you know, I also have two children and they'll be um, online as well with their teachers throughout the day. I know this year where our focus is to try to just be more connected in the sense of more live classes with our students, which I think is a great idea, but it's also sort of um, anxiety causing for, I think, you know, parents who are also working or in our case teaching and so trying to like manage getting them onto their classes as well as like being involved in my own classes. If that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. And I think you're feeling what, yeah, a lot of us are feeling, especially for any working parents, for teaching parents. It's a lot of responsibility to try to, you know, provide all these synchronous classes, but then also keep your kids alive and make sure they're getting on their devices <laughs> and um, all of exactly. that. Yeah. One of the um, things you said too, which is interesting from your perspective, is that you're a teacher of really young students. Because how old are your students? They're coming in about six years old. Okay. Yeah, yeah six, seven. Do you want to explain? I don't. I know some of our listeners know what pre-first is, but do you want to talk a little bit about what that is? Sure. It's um, it's a year after kindergarten that we that some schools here in Guadalajara are doing some international schools, and um, it's kind of like a, a gap year between first and kindergarten. Gives them like a whole year to um, just yeah, be immersed more in the English language as well as um, start the process of, you know, they're emergent readers, so learning to read in English this um, in the pre-first year. And then once they're done with pre-first, they move on to first grade. So they're going to be a little older in first grade as compared to like a U.S. school system. They'll be older, um, but it also, I think, has its benefits because it allows us to sort of go slower in the process, especially in literacy. We're not rushing them in the process where I think sometimes in the US in kindergarten, kids are sometimes rushed maybe faster than, than they're developmentally like, you know, progressing. So 
it's a nice year because we do, we can take our time and we can give them a little more time to develop on their own pace and their own schedule. I remember when we first moved to Mexico and this, like I didn't understand why there was an extra year between kindergarten and first grade. But now that I've been here for many years, I, it makes so much sense because like you said, you do get to go deeper and especially as you're as most kids are learning a second language and some even a third language if they're coming from somewhere else and having to learn both English and Spanish. So yeah, it's a really um, nice year to have. And I know it's your favorite year. Kudos to you. Like <laughs> I'm, it's not my, it's not my cup of tea to teach the little ones, but I'm so grateful that I have amazing friends who love that so much. Jackie, so as a teacher, what's been one of the hardest things about virtual learning for you? I think one of the hardest things for sure is not being able to be present with our students, with my students every day and not being able to see them face to face in person. Um, it somewhat feels disconnected and just makes it a little more challenging to to get to know them and to feel like, you know, um, yeah, that they're really part of your classroom community. Another thing that's very difficult or has been for me is just having to learn so much um, new technology and new things in such a short amount of time. I think um, we were, you know, in March thrown into this and um, given very little time. And, you know, we've been learning over the summer how to use new tools, how to make things better. I think it's hard to make lessons engaging when you're not in person with your students. So, you know, that's definitely difficult. I think, um, it's difficult to assess our students online and to not make it um, boring and, and um, tedious. And so I think just having to, you know, right. in somewhat of a sense, relearn how to do all these things in a different way, because we're so used to the way we've been doing it. And so um, we're just definitely learning a new way. And that could actually end up being a positive thing because we might find a more efficient way now that we're doing this virtual um, teaching. It might um, actually make us better when we go back into the classroom. Um, so yeah, I just think the um, the sheer amount of just new learning mm -hmm. we've had to do in this short amount of time has been definitely the most difficult uh, part. Well, and if you think about when this all happened, like you said, you were in crisis mode. I mean, we look back at March and you guys literally had like one day to all of a sudden <laughs> turn into a virtual teacher. And I know so many teachers that I've talked to said like one of the hardest parts not only is learning all these new online tools and platforms and finding resources to meet your students' needs, but so many of us in education went into education because we love connecting with kids and <laughs> you know, being with kids every day. And it's not the same when you have a kid looking at you through a computer screen, right? Yeah, what, now speaking of like the child on the screen, I know as a parent <laughs> and as an educator, like I, to some degree, saw both sides of what was happening, but I know that teachers received a lot of criticism from parents when all of this happened and maybe things weren't always going well. But what do you wish 
parents knew about all the work that educators are putting into these classes right now. One thing I wish parents knew, or maybe they do know and just kept in mind, is just how much time their teachers are putting into their virtual classrooms and their virtual lessons. They are really spending a lot of time. And um, I can tell you that we all just want to do a really good job and we all want to make this experience the best for their children. And we are doing all that we possibly can to make our lessons fun and engaging and um, beneficial for their children. So I think, yeah, I think we just want parents to know that we are trying our best and spending um, great amount of time um, making this a good experience for their kids. I also um, would really like for parents to know and um, that teachers want them to um, be involved in this process of online learning and in, in somewhat of a sense to be their co-teacher um, because I think if parents are, you know, involved on the other side of the screen in being sort of that in quotation co-teacher, um, it'll just be a, a more positive experience for everyone involved, teacher, student, and parent. And I think um, we'll all just be a little more patient and empathetic with each other when we're all working kind of harmoniously together as co-teachers. So I think that's an important thing I'd love for parents to know during this um, e-learning time. Yeah, for sure. And one of the things you said, it reminds me um, just how you said there, like, the, I think there are going to be positive things that come out of this experience, <laughs> even if there are really long days or hard moments. Like, I think education is really, it has an opportunity right now to really be more innovative and, you know, like, let's fix the things that we've been doing for years because now we can. And I mean, it's not like, it's not easy. I'm not saying any of this is easy, but I think there's opportunity here. And I love that you bring up like working together with parents and teachers. Um, as I wanted to ask you, because obviously <laughs> you're working full time and then you're also with your boys full time, <laughs> like trying to get them online and learning. How do you, balance it or what are some strategies that you could give others um the balance is definitely a work in progress i haven't quite um perfected the balance but i think some of the things that i try to do um every day is to carve out a little time for myself i'm like you dom in the mornings i enjoy having my coffee alone i can sort of wrap my head around the day and get some of that me time I've been trying to exercise in the mornings too before I start my work day. And if I can't, then I try and do it in the evenings. Exercise really helps um, me balance myself out and be nicer. I think too, um, getting a schedule and a routine with the kids, writing it down so the kids can cross off, you know, the things they accomplish throughout the day, making sure I have an idea of, you know, the meals I want to prepare during the week, even help me to stay balanced and not having to be thinking at four, like what am I going to make for dinner? Um, also working with their teachers to make sure their groups don't always clash with my groups and that will help me be able to, you know, help them get online. Those are definitely some of the ways I try to stay balanced. It doesn't always work. I feel like, 
you know, sometimes one week I'm succeeding and then one week I'm failing, but I think um, it eventually sort of all falls into place. And I think the most important thing for me is definitely taking that little time to myself in the mornings. And also, you know, setting boundaries and limits. Um, I feel like when we're in school and at, you know, at the actual school, it's easier to come home and be like, work's over. I'm done. I'm mom now. I can be with my kids. But when we're here working from home, it's often really hard to shut off. And I could be working all day if I could, you know. So I think it's important for me um, to have a cutoff time and close my computer and just be fully present for my kids um, is also really important um, for me to do and to to remember because I often forget to do that. Yeah, no, those are great tips. And I think they're all really good reminders for all of us because I think a lot of times we know those things, but life gets busy and <laughs> then we get stressed and things go awry. And so it's, it is hard. Um, I was just thinking as you were talking, Jackie, and I was kind of laughing in my head. Um, I think one of the greatest examples of just how hard teachers are working right now and how much you're putting up with, like trying to balance this work-life home balance, is the day that you texted me and told me that you taught a class while your dining room was flooding. <laughs> Do you want to tell the listeners just because I think it's a prime example of what teachers are really doing? Like, it's the reality, right? Well, I'm a big multitasker, so... Um, I was, you know, had about five, maybe eight minutes before my next Zoom session. And I was just like, yeah, I could do, I could drain my blow up pool and um, start cleaning that up before my session. So I pulled the plug on the blow up pool and um, tons of water just came rushing through the patio door into sort of my dining room area. And flooded the dining room and um, I had about two minutes until the meeting at this point with my student and just started um, yelling at my my kids to get me some towels and um, threw some towels down, hopped on the meeting um, with bare feet and bare wet feet and just hopped on, smiled and, and gave my reading group, you know, and just sort of had the show must go on type attitude. Um, and I think I think that's um, what a lot of educators are are doing. You know, it might it might be a little ugly on their side of the of the computer screen as far as you know, maybe their child's throwing a temper tantrum, or maybe they barely got dressed that day, or something. I don't know, but I think um, that phrase, "the show must go on," and um, I think a lot of teachers are doing that, especially you know, working working teacher teachers that are parents, excuse me, and. Um, you know, we're just, we're showing up and we're doing our best and multitasking and sometimes maybe doing it better, better some days than others, you know, but um, yeah, that was a, that was a funny, crazy day. When I think that's just the epitome of teachers too, right? Like no matter what happens, I mean, when there've been issues in the past or a crisis or anything, I feel like you know, that's what teachers do. We just show up and like the show must go on, like you say. And I, yeah, have never been more impressed with teachers than I have, I think, the last six months and just watching 
all over the world, really, how teachers had to literally change one day to the next without any preparation. And yeah, so you have all my admiration. I, <laughs> as a friend, I've always been super impressed by you, Jackie, and by your work ethic and dedication. And then, I mean, same thing with just your career as a teacher and just your dedication. And you also mentioned, and I think a lot of people don't realize this, but so many teachers spent whatever sort of summer they had this year, like taking courses and learning, <laughs> you know, really trying to make this year better, which speaks a lot, you know, to the educators. So as we wrap this up, Jackie, is there anything else that um, you'd like to share? I think um, one last thing that I'd like to say is, you know, just about perspective and how um, I guess one of the positive things about this is that it's a worldwide sort of, um, it's a worldwide pandemic and a worldwide situation where, um, you know, a lot of us are seeing like, oh my goodness, our kids might fall behind in, in their education. And um, I like a lot of what I've been seeing on social media about the perspective of, you know, maybe they're not falling behind in their education. Maybe they're just gaining, you know, um, more flexibility or, gaining more perseverance and organizational skills and time with family. And so I think um, that's an important thing to keep remembering is to have that sort of positive perspective and outlook and um, not dwelling in, in how hard this is. And I more than anyone need, need to do this on a daily basis and just remind myself that um, um, this is hard, but in the end, um, we're going to get through this and we're going to be okay. And um, yeah, we'll probably um, be better for it, right? So I think just keeping that perspective is really important. Yeah, for sure. And I think that also um, is true for our perspective, like as adults and what we're conveying to our children, right? At home. It's a lot, like it's super heavy and hard. And I'm just so glad that I have you in my life and you're one of my go-to go-to friends whenever I need to, you know, complain or just look for encouragement or whatever. So thank you so much, Jackie, for being a guest today and for just for sharing your side of the story as we're moving into this 2021 school year. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Thank you, Jackie. If you enjoyed today's episode and if you were encouraged by the message, I would love to hear from you. Please subscribe, leave a review on your favorite podcast platform, take a screenshot and post it to Instagram and tag me so that we can keep growing together. And until next time, with heart and humility, embrace la musica.